Locale. Local. Shock. Local. Cambiamento. Tahir. Jirgelekte. Sakula Ijaya. Food. Change. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Sfin podcast. I'm Valentina Gritti, Global Community and Project Manager at the Slow Food Youth Network. The Slow Food Youth Network, or as we call it Sfin, is a worldwide network of young activists with different backgrounds who want to contribute to a better local and international food system. The episode of today is part of the series dedicated to the latest advocacy updates in Europe and it's led by the Slow Food Europe office based in Brussels. The advocacy topic we will dig into today is animal welfare. I guess you all have clear in mind the images of cows, pigs or chicken packed into tight cages where they don't have any distraction but the feed they are fed. And living in such situation, they are most likely to get sick and this leads to a higher use of antibiotics and medications, of course. It is actually shocking to know that the EU animal farming sector consumes more antibiotics than the human medical sector. Despite that, the EU is at the forefront of animal welfare regulation and protection. So what is wrong in the system? Is animal welfare so bad in the EU and why? What is the gap between regulation and farming practices? In this episode, you will get different perspectives on this topic, in particular by Olga Kiku, European Affairs Manager at the organization Compassion in World Farming, and Jacopo Goracci, who is a farmer of the Maremana ancient cow breed in rural Tuscany in Italy. The Maremana is a, a cow which is very frugal, it survives in difficult environments and it's only raised in the wild. Jacopo is also the coordinator of the Maremana Cattle Slow Food Presidium. For those of you who are new to our network, a Slow Food Presidium is a slow food community that works every day to save native livestock breeds, local fruits and vegetable varieties, but also many traditional products. And last but not least, in this episode, we will listen to the voice of Andrea Gavinelli, who is in charge of the Animal Welfare Unit at the European Commission. I leave now the word to Alice Poiron, Communication Officer at Slow Food Europe, who will guide you through the discussion. In a never-ending quest for profit, industrial farming allows farm animals to be mutilated, abused, crammed together, fed with low-quality feed and transported across the world in dreadful conditions. Overall, farm animals are prevented to live according to their natural needs. It is said that the European Union has the most advanced legislation in the world regarding animal welfare standards. But according to Olga Kiku, European Affairs Manager at the organization Compassion in World Farming, the reality is far from ideal. We keep hearing from big industry players, but also the EU institutions, that uh, the EU has the highest standards in the world. Um, however, our investigations have uh, shown to the public that the reality behind current, uh, far the current farming model is um, one that uh, certainly leaves a lot to be desired. There is a lot of suffering in EU animal farming, and um, we certainly need uh, better animal welfare standards 
uh, to make sure that they also incorporate these standards, that they also incorporate uh, the needs of the animals and also recognize that they are sentient beings and the fact that uh, we are responsible for their well-being. And Olga knows what she's talking about. Her organization, Compassion in World Farming, is well known for carrying out undercover investigations throughout Europe to shed light on the cruel reality of factory farming for animals. And their findings are compelling. Um, we have uh, been uh, involved in investigations for many years. Uh, in the past, we have done investigations on rabbit farming, uh, for example, uh, and specifically on farms in Italy, Greece, uh, Czech Republic, Poland and Cyprus, where we um, saw that there is a high, very high antibiotic use in rabbit farming. And also we revealed uh, conditions uh, um, such as filthy cages and uh, a lot of animal suffering. We have also done investigations on, um, for example, in Italy in particular, regarding the farming conditions for the animals behind the milk used to make Parmesan, and uh, where we saw that the vast majority of cows who are farmed to produce this cheese uh, never set foot on grass, and some even spend their lives tied to a post inside their shed. Um, we have also been to Polish dairy farms and found that calves are raised in small individual pens where they are isolated and, uh, of course, severely restricted of um, expressing their natural behaviors. Um, and, um, you know, this, is, this involves um, a lot of uh, animal suffering, of course, and uh, these animals are deprived uh, of social contact, which is uh, necessary, especially in at that age, uh, for their mental um, and emotional well-being. Uh, we have done investigations on uh, quails, on quail farming, and we saw that uh, all the animals uh, were caged. It was quite revealing to see the conditions in which they are raised, um, especially when we consider that um, quail uh, eggs and meat uh, is considered, uh, they're considered luxury products. Such testimony leaves you speechless. Cages, antibiotics, filth, deprivation of social contacts, mutilations. Many farm animals clearly do not live in dignity, in accordance with their natural needs. But does this mean that no alternative is possible? Of course not. And we met an animal farmer that does things differently and has some things to say on the subject. Jacopo Goracci is a farmer of local ancient breeds of cows and pigs in rural Tuscany, Italy, and coordinator of a slow food presidium. He's a small-scale agroecological farmer who farms his animals in a completely different way than what we regularly see on TV and on the internet, where images of animal suffering and mistreatment surface very regularly. On his farm, animals are raised in harmony with their natural needs and the environment. We are creating a, a, a way of, uh, of living together, animals and ecosystems and, and, and men and human labor. We are trying to, to create a model where animals can pasture and graze in a different plot of wood and, uh, and grass uh, with water. That is a problem now with this drought period. So we have to also face some uh, 
climatic challenges, and they are very uh, they are shifting, driving our our way of uh, of managing animals and till slaughtering age. So we have n- n- absolutely no uh, time spent by the animals into barns. So we maintain constant management from the burn of of a of a, of a veal to the slaughtering age of the beef. And then we have we are collecting thanks to Pisa University uh, some data and so we are proving that animals uh, have a, a, a great, greater uh, animal welfare parameters in on-farm slaughtering system respect to the more common one, the traditional one. And we have no problems of uh, uh, quality of meat, obviously, and uh, on uh, like microbial presence uh, in, in the meat. So we have no problems, but we have uh, only uh, pigs that mm, live in a in a more constant and consistent way. And so we are very proud about that. But now in Italy, it's not legal. So we are trying to, to drive these, these, uh, these new methods. And I hope to be the trailblazer of, uh, of this method. So it's, it's not my method, but I hope uh, this will be the method of, uh, of uh, slaughtering animals. Uh, I hope in Tuscany and then uh, even more. Why not? And so based on uh, what you do on your farm, well, can you tell us a bit more uh, more generally about the alternatives to intensive factory farming that already exist and that you're implementing in your work? Like what methods would help animals to feel well? If we follow like the guidelines of uh, uh, EU about new policy, we read a lot of agroecology, agroforestry, and so the, the, the possibility of uh, uh, integrate more uh, the, the, the animals into the ecosystems uh, but we we have to rebuild this this uh, this link because we know that for example in north italy we have uh, some villages that have more pigs than uh, inhabitants <laughs> as number and uh, uh, and and we can see no animals outside so we are all animals confined into stables and barns, uh, and so in concrete. And so we 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 like sealed uh, soil. Instead, we would like to to think about a, a farming system where animals are the the main actors of the environment. So we can see animals outside, and we have to the uh, the duty to drive them in a better way. So they can valorize the ecosystem and not destroying them. We have to work with different breeds, breeds that can uh, that can valorize the ecosystem and can ask for less input respect to the human. So we know that now uh, with these problems of like soil availability, uh, dairy farming system are in in a hurry and in great crisis, and because they need too much protein. To support a, a great production of milk uh, with generally low quality but low cost and so it's it's it, it's something that we have to to break and to and to develop in another di- direction absolutely you heard him more pigs than inhabitants and it's no surprise since the european union as the whole global north has been sustaining an intensive factory animal farming model for decades 
In 2020, there were 146 million pigs, 76 million bovine animals, and 75 million sheep and goats in the European Union. Millions of innocent victims of our brutal factory farming system. But the wind might be starting to turn. European citizens have regularly expressed their growing outrage about the way farm animals are treated, and the EU cannot ignore them any longer. Olga, explain to us what is wrong with the current EU regulation on animal welfare. Yes, well, uh, current regulation on uh, animal welfare is very outdated. Um, in uh, in the case of uh, the general, the so-called general farming directive, is uh, it's uh, back from 1998 when it was enacted, uh, and uh, it was based uh, back then on science uh, from the early 90s. So we understand today that it is time we uh, revise this regulation, this uh, directive, um, and we ask that uh, this directive is turned into a regulation and that it looks at all the species uh, uh, and also it's uh, much more detailed than it is now and is updated according to the latest science. Um, the, so there's a strong need to revise uh, the existing uh, rules and uh, align them with the values and expectations of the citizens. Um, For example, um, under Article 13 of the Treaty for the European Union, uh, animals are recognized as sentient beings, but the way they are farmed, uh, and I'm talking about the industrial conditions that are so prevalent in Europe, um, these cause tremendous suffering, and um, we need to change this. This is what citizens expect. So we need animal welfare legislation that has the sentience of animals at its core and also looks at the different species. Um, so therefore, uh, not just um, looking at uh, just a few species as it is now, but uh, providing uh, more detailed rules about every species uh, farmed. And, of course, uh, we need to look for um, broader and more systemic change across the EU in regards to farming practices. And about this need for a systemic change, things have been slowly moving in a positive direction from the European Commission side. Last year, the Commission decided to positively respond to the European Citizens' Initiative and the Cage Age and proposed to phasing out of cages for farm animals. The EU Commissioner for Health and Food Safety, Stella Kiriakides, even declared that improving animal welfare in Europe was a top priority for her mandate. The EU's animal welfare standards are now amongst the highest in the world and we are, of course, rightfully proud of that. But being proud of our achievements does not mean that we can't aim for higher standards. And this is what I personally aspire to do. Because as we look ahead to tomorrow, it is obvious that much has changed since we adopted EU animal welfare rules 20 years ago. What does this mean in concrete terms? Well, we asked Andrea Gavinelli, who is in charge of the Animal Welfare Unit at the European Commission, to give us a glimpse of the Commission's plans for the upcoming years. Uh, The moment is quite historical because um, we have... um, started in the 90s with legislation on animal welfare and standards as never uh, done uh, anywhere in the world in the EU. 
and the EU was a small place. Now uh, we have uh, an acquis, so a set of legislation that uh, sometimes is even 25 years old. And as you know, many things evolved, not only from the scientific and technical point of view, but also when we speak about uh, the importance uh, of um, the human-animal relation and the way we see animals. Uh, and uh, all this um, led us uh, and led the Commission to rethink and uh, start a process of revision of this uh, set of directives and regulations. The, the moment uh, and the plan uh, is uh, to collect all the possible information and uh, to have uh, opinion from the European Food Safety Authority that will drive us from a scientific point of view in terms of uh, risk assessment, so to get everything ready for the end of 2023. Uh, so what we will have are formal uh, commission proposals to amend or introduce uh, new standards for, for animal welfare. And do you also think changes in the way we consume food will be needed? I mean, will consumers have to adapt their diets regarding meat, for instance? To be honest, uh, the diet uh, is not the target, but uh, at the end, uh, it's true that a responsible consumption uh, of meat uh, uh, looks into this issue uh, and uh, the official, uh, we had an open public consultation uh, that uh, was on uh, online in December and January. And uh, more than 60,000 people raised the question uh, and responded to our question uh, with other questions about uh, the need to know more about uh, the way animals are farmed and what is coming in their plate. So that's all connected, in my opinion, with uh, what will be uh, an important, responsible uh, way to approach uh, animal products in general, not only meat. So, the process of updating the European animal welfare legislation is underway. And while scientific data on animals is crucial, farmers' point of view is as important. Because they have the responsibility to raise their animals with respect while ensuring the economic viability of their farm. A task that comes with its own challenges. The direct contribution to the single individual farms in the vast majority of cases go to conventional intensive farms. And so the survival of farms are linked to contribution to subsidies and not to the value of the, of the food that every farm produces. So I hope in a, and, and, and I imagine also a future where farmers can be like enabled to produce and to sell food with the right by, uh, value, like subsidy subside. So I think it's, 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 it's important. Also because, because we do not want subsidies not for working. We, we, we want to work with dignity. And economic condition matters. Uh, economic aspects are related to the quality of, uh, of life of the farmers and to the possibility to evolve their farmers. Uh, and also, this is another very important aspect, to, um, to have the chance to attract new generations in these, for me, amazing jobs. But now we are surrounded by old person that are sturdily like maintaining their activity in on field farmers dignity goes in pair with the welfare of the animals factory animal farming has been promoted at the expense of viable incomes for farmers and jobs in rural areas in europe in addition to denying animals their right to a decent life the current system poses a great threat to the livelihood of small-scale farmers who cannot keep up 
with the competition of big producers and the low prices of industrial meat production. Ensuring animal welfare comes to a cost, which is why it is essential that the European Union takes measures that really support farmers who voluntarily choose to improve their standards beyond those required by law. EU policy must drive the transition away from industrial animal farming, but the agri-food industry is clearly slamming the brake, sparing no efforts to slow down the whole revision of the European animal welfare legislation. Animal welfare rules in general are considered an impediment for the industry, in, uh, and uh, this has always been the case. And now we see this more where the industry is using the crisis in the Ukraine and the war there to increase um, feed production, for example, um, and uh, thereby increasing EU production and uh, exports uh, rather than looking towards a different model of agriculture, looking more towards uh, agroecology and organic farming. Um, the industry uh, in general has been using uh, various delaying tactics uh, to avoid any concrete steps to improve the welfare of animals. And uh, we see this, uh, especially this has become very evident in the last few weeks. And um, uh, we hope that uh, the EU institutions don't give in to these demands. So the industry uh, usually raises the need for more science uh, when there's plenty of science uh, about um, animal, uh, especially around uh, animal sentience. And, uh, you know, they are ignoring the, the, uh, the existing scientific studies. Um, they are also questioning the economic viability of uh, uh, new rules for animals and a different type of farming um, where welfare standards uh, would be higher than they are today. Um, they have been accusing uh, the animal advocacy movement and uh, NGOs of working to destroy European animal, animal agriculture. And um, we hear this a lot. Um, basically, the, the goal is uh, for no action. This is the goal of the industry. Um, and uh, I think they're also trying to buy time. So then we go to um, a future commission um, and probably a, less, a commission that is less willing to bring about change. Um, and I'm talking about the farm to fork um, strategy that uh, you know, they're trying to overturn. And also the basic ask from the side of the industry is the, to just follow the business as usual approach uh, because of vested economic interests, uh, which are at the heart of the industry. And um, uh, this includes, of course, uh, not just uh, animal welfare standards, but also environmental standards. And uh, so that's why we're here to make sure that this doesn't happen and that uh, we follow on the citizens' demands and the citizens' interests and not uh, those uh, of particular economic players. Private interests cannot prevail over what citizens want and what animals and the environment need. The price animals are paying to sustain our industrial farming system is too high and we must keep fighting for them to be treated as sentient beings. 
This is why Slow Food is working hard at European level to get a full recognition of animal welfare as a central element in European policies. If we want our food system to become truly sustainable, we can no longer put the question of meat production, consumption and the welfare of farms animals aside. Thank you so much, Alice, for leading this conversation on animal welfare and thanks to all our listeners for supporting the Swim podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. And also, if you have suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss, please get in touch with me at podcast at slowfoodyouthnetwork.org. Finally, I suggest you follow Slow Food Europe on Twitter for the latest advocacy updates with a slow perspective. Have a lovely day. Ciao.